Hi, I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marcus Sparks. And welcome to another episode of Headcanon, a podcast where we talk about the film franchises that are becoming our modern myths, whether we like it or not. Uh, currently, we're doing the Harry Potter movie series. We're on movie two right now, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. This is a long movie. This may be a lot long podcast. I have a lot of thoughts on it. Well, how much? So we did the extended version. What? How long is the regular version? I don't know. Okay. I think it's still pretty long. I think it's still over two and a half hours. The cut we have is like almost three, uh, almost three hours. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I can tell, there's only minimal added scenes in this too. So I think the other one's still pretty long. Okay. So we're gonna. Do some opening statements, get to kind of our, you know, top three moments, issues we had, talk about the source material, the world building, and then just kind of get into overall stray thoughts. But before we do that, uh, do you have an opening statement, Marco? <laughs> like how it's a trial. Um, you know, I, I was dreading this one because it's the one I watch the least. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember loving the second half and rewatching this movie. I really enjoy the parts that I remembered enjoying and, and some of the parts that I remember hating. I was able to like look at it in a slightly different light just because it was better than the alternative. Like Dobby. Mm-hmm. Um, I really dreaded rewatching all those Dobby scenes. But I, I don't know. If you, if you come up with bullshit theories for Dobby, it becomes more interesting. But... Like the stuff in the ending, I I love. It's it's a very interesting take on on how to do one of these kind of mysteries at Hogwarts. Do you have any bullshit theories for Dobby? I do. We should get to that at the end then, because I have no particular theory I've worked out for this one. So okay, you, you will have to provide the head cannon. Okay. <laughs> Ding. Uh, so oh, it should be mentioned. This is of course directed by Chris Columbus again. Ugh. Steve Close wrote this one as well. I do wonder how much. He is actually writing it, though. Um, I mean, well, I know he's the writer for the next one, too, but it's drastically different. And most people seem to really credit Koran for changes that are made, mm. uh, including like people involved in the production. So I wonder, like, what is what is he doing necessarily? Like, maybe he's writing the scenes, but he's not really in charge of the material or something like that. Well, Cloves is he's the credited screenwriter for all but one, right? Mm. Like half a prince i think so yeah i'm not sure we'll uh, get to it the stuff that i really despise from the first half other than like dobby is is the stuff where they're just rehashing um the world mm. and, and it's it was a lot i think like one of the first lines is well as you know I yeah can't do this and it's a lot of that and that was the stuff that just just drove me nuts yeah well let me get to my my opening statement um i think there were some improvements like scene to scene like you can tell that the actors are getting better and whatnot and uh they're getting a little more comfortable in their roles but as a whole this movie is just paced so slowly and all the scenes seem to go on longer than they need to um i feel like this movie is kind of a a good example of like uh bad fan service like an adaptation fan service they they shoved like a bunch of references and all these nods in the books and instead of making decisions uh, and so you just have this really flabby feeling movie that's way too long. Uh, and there's no reason for this movie to be this long. And it's so poorly paced. Um, and then you consider that like it is almost a three hour movie and they still somehow don't do a good job of building up Ginny's character. Right. It's like, how, how did you spend that much time and not establish like a pretty important character correctly? Um, but I do think that Lockhart is a big upgrade as a villain. 
uh, as was Tom Riddle. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Both those guys way better than uh, boring ass Corel in the last movie. And I think the kids are definitely getting better. Uh, it doesn't quite have that like just happy to be here feel that the first movie had, mm-hmm. where it was just like, "Hey, everybody hit their marks, good enough," you know. Like I feel like they're actually getting better performances this time. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you think the Jenny thing is because like the actress just wasn't there yet? I I don't know. I mean they they could have recast. I mean I, here's the thing. I don't I don't want to blame the actress because so she much can. of it is in writing and you know like they you know they could have just been telling her to play it that way mm-hmm. so it's hard to say but i i think they just missed on the the Ginny character entirely in the entire franchise really mm-hmm. um yeah this movie has an awful lot of like mugging and wailing from rupert grant uh i mean this is this is the ballad of harry and ron here yeah uh, i definitely missed hermione she's sidelined for a lot of the movie i suppose it makes sense that you have to have at least one movie to kind of show us this big friendship, you know, this is, this is a, their lifelong friendship is built on, you know, these ad- adventures when they're young. But I don't know. It's kind of like it's like a eat your vegetables kind of movie. It's like, OK, I know we need to show their friendship and whatnot. But like Hermione adds a lot and she's missing for like the last hour of this movie. It's it's horrible. I forgot all about that. And it's horrible. <laughs> like they needed to do one or the other and the sidelining her either have her be petrified or have her do the, the cat thing where she's afraid to leave the bathroom stall well i mean in in the defense of the movie like the next movie ron gets sidelined for the climax so you know hermione definitely gets her moments to shine but i think just not story-wise but just like the pacing and the feel of the movie you're you're missing her at the end because there's just a whole lot of like ron and harry like looking at each other and screaming because something crazy just happened and you're just like man where's hermione all right. So those are my overall thoughts. I mean, would you say this was better or worse than the first movie? Oh, God. Uh, in different categories, I'd say parts of it are better. I think the direction is better. I think uh, uh, some of the set design I like a lot more. Hmm. Um, some of the, the newer sets and stuff. Like you said, better better villains, better like tertiary, just Hogwarts background characters. Well, it's it's weird. It's like the movie somehow manages to be better and worse at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, improvements and then, you know, some some non-improvements. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. the effects are a lot better. <laughs> yeah, somewhat. Um, probably just because they're not, they're not rushed or they learned, like, how to do some of this stuff quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, All right, well, let's get into our top three moments. Uh, I'll go first this time. Okay. I wonder, I do wonder if we'll have the same. And I almost feel like we could just permanently put like the scene at the end where Dumbledore explains everything <laughs> like that. You could just put that in, in any top three, like those, that scene pretty much always works. Uh, mm. But aside from that, uh, the dueling club with Snape and Lockhart. I <laughs> uh, love that scene. I, I love the line from Lockhart. It's just like for full details, see my published works. Uh, that's a hell of a line. I'd, I'd like to be able to deploy that line in my own life. Oh my God, Kenneth Branagh is so good in this movie. I I kept revisiting those those rumors back when before the Star Wars prequels that like mm-hmm. Branagh would be Obi Wan. Oh yeah, and if he had played Obi Wan, I would hope it was exactly like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and who's the dude? It was like Matthew Wood or whoever the stiff was playing a Corell in the last movie. God, that guy just brought nothing. Like Lockhart, oh, Ian Hart, like, yeah, yeah, Ian Hart, yeah. Um, 
Lockhart just owns. He's he's just all over the place. But they also movie. give him more real estate to do mm-hmm. his thing. Too. Well, his character isn't like a stuttering simp. Yeah, that, that certainly <laughs> helps. Uh, but yeah, that that dueling club moment where it's like you know the only reason Snape volunteered to be the assistant is so he could like lay out Lockhart like that and just blow his ass up. Mm-hmm. Like you can just see the. Uh, it's like he's he's trying to hide it, you know. He's trying to like remain, you know, casual, but he totally enjoyed just blasting Lockhart. Well, the like the feng shui, like like visual of that of that whole mm-hmm. scene is fantastic. Like the layout of the design of the moon phases on the oh, on yeah. the board they're on, but the fact that you have like uh, peroxide Draco and like <laughs> Harry, and then you have like Snape and Lockhart, who basically just give them like a red and blue lightsaber, like mm-hmm. so the light sides and dark sides of the force. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a great scene. All right, what's your top three moment? Uh, my top moment is. Stuff with the Chamber of Secrets, um, partially because I I love the representations of Voldemort so far that he's either this like thing on the back of your head or he's mm-hmm. a memory and that memory wants to grow and become real. Like I I love I don't know I love that they did a lot of stuff with the legend of Voldemort in these different ways. He because um, there's a there's a kind of a an Empire Strikes Back feel to parts of this, but also I think Stuart Craig is production design guy. Um, I, I I can't get enough of like crazy ridiculous underground layers under Hogwarts. It's I, I a pretty they, impressive set, yeah. Yeah, I hope they just dig out even more of those. Um, but just the reveal of who the villain is, I thought was very inventive with the diary. I, mm-hmm. I only wish that they had done more with Harry and the the memory of Tom Riddle that's contained in this identity in the diary. But what do you mean? Just like. Um, I almost wish like like Harry could have befriended him more and mm-hmm. like tried to make like Tom Riddle like possibly one of his little mentors for a brief Well, I think, I think Jenny sees that. Yeah. Like she yeah. steals the book back. Like they don't totally go into it in the movie, but like the reason he knows so much about Harry Potter is because Jenny right. is writing this diary and she's writing all about Harry because she has a huge crush on him. Well, and I think that's fascinating too, is that this young girl who's, who's got a, like a schoolgirl crush on Harry um is feeding the, <laughs> the mm-hmm. memory of Voldemort who's learning about his own future self yeah you know there's a weird like uh I think I think the subtle line that I that I'm searching for in all my theories of this movie is erotomania <laughs> there's so much of it I think well my my number two moment was uh Tom Riddle's evil monologue there which is kind of right <laughs> in line with what you're talking about um yeah. I mean it's an old trope but you know it works the, the you know villain monologuing like explaining everything like I I like the actor they got for it like he's he's really good young Tom Riddle mm-hmm. uh, and it's just I don't know it just feels very satisfying as even even though the uh, like the shots they use to show like mind control Jenny are like really bad or like mm-hmm. it's like really lame like Dutch angle with like like distorted like those are just bad but still like you can't ruin a good monologue right. And his little like spelling out his name and rearranging the letters that that just works visually perfectly. Yeah, especially in a kids movie, I think you really get away with that in a kids mm-hmm. movie. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name who plays young Tom. Riddler. I can look it up. I have the, um, the full IMDb page here. It's Christian Coulson. Christian Coulson. So that guy, like, I'm I'm amazed that like when we talk about all these like generic white guy choices for Bond, <laughs> like why is this guy never brought up or oh sidetrack? Is there like. Did Daniel Craig say he wasn't going to do any more Bonds or something? He's what? been hinting that Spectre will be his last one, but I want to say that I read when he signed he for to Skyfall. Do five. 
Right? Yeah, when he signed for Skyfall, he signed for like three more. I get. I don't understand why we're having this conversation now, and we won't get a new Bond for like five years, probably. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of streets in yeah. England <laughs> for someone to be too much of one. But uh, I also think Jude Law should just capture Christian Coulson and like like worship him as like a younger version of himself. <laughs> Wonder where the past went. Um, yeah, that guy is great. Voldemort uh, is my past, present, and future. <laughs> uh, my number two is uh, Shilob and Aragog and the uh, Dark Forest full of spiders. I mean, visually, that really preys upon like a lot of people's fear of spiders and, and just the abundance of it. Um, it's an interesting, like, complicated relationships of of this world, especially pieces like forest people where, like... Uh, uh, what was it like? The Aragog says like, uh, like none of my spiders, none of my spiders will eat Hagrid on my orders. But <laughs> like he just can't help but feast on Harry and Ron. Yeah. Did do you happen to know who plays or who does the voice for Aragog? Oh, I don't. You're gonna I'm gonna blow your mind then. I was Who's glad. I'm, I'm really glad you don't know this. Uh, it's Julian Glover. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that guy's everywhere. Okay, right on. Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Game of Thrones. He's a Bond villain. Bond villain, Harry Potter. Wow. Aragog's a fucking dick, man. I mean, yeah. He thinks a lot, Hagrid. Wow, that's fascinating. No, nothing about his voice would make me think Julian Glover. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. My, my number three is just a little moment. Um, when they're at the burrow early in the movie, uh, Errol the owl just flies right into the window. Mm. Um, it's such an easy <laughs> joke, but like, I feel like it's like, for once, Chris Columbus actually nails like a, a visual gag with like proper comic timing. Um, and it it's not like drawn out too long it's just like this quick kind of funny thing that happens and i definitely enjoyed that do you do you think it was improved upon or made worse when he crashes into the cafeteria table later that one didn't was not as successful let's put it that way <laughs> i'm just thinking to myself go home al you're mm-hmm. drunk <laughs> my number three my mine are all set pieces uh my number three was the quidditch chase which really felt like John Williams was recycling like Star Wars chase music. But... Dude, it's it's totally uh, the Zam the Assassin like yeah. course kind of chase music. Like it's almost exactly like there's parts of it where it sounds exactly the same. Yeah, it really is. But you know, I I enjoyed it. I, it felt more focused than the uh, the Quidditch scene in the first movie. It like I liked that they had a Quidditch match, but they kind of did it in a a different style. And of course, Harry catches the snitch. It's interesting yeah. that you say that because that is in my my lowlights. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um. Just in general, that one of my big issues with this movie is that so many of the scenes go on for longer than they need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fight with the basilisk at the end is expanded from the book, and I think that works because that's your big climax. You know, you get Harry's got like a big fighting scene, mm-hmm. but the the stuff the car scene at the beginning goes on for way too long. Yeah, uh, like him, like falling out and like, you know, having to get pulled back in, like almost getting hit by the train. That's all not in the book. Uh, escaping the spiders in the car also goes on for way too long. And the Quidditch scene, like the Quidditch scene, there is no like weird like chase through like the the underground structures on the sides of the Quidditch thing. Like, I just think that you could have cut that out and just had Harry catch this break his arm and catch a snitch. Like, I don't know why that scene needed to be as long as it was. <laughs> Just, and it's like, this is, you know, this is probably adding like 15 minutes to the movie, all this extra stuff. And it's like, you could have been establishing Ginny as a character more during this time or, you know, just yeah. cutting it because you don't need it. 
I think Columbus was really possibly using Star Wars movies as as a guideline for like when mm-hmm. to pace out these long action sequences. The uh, the car thing, you know, in retrospect, didn't bother me as much as I, it did when I first watched the movie. I thought it was an interesting kind of just like these mischievous boys stealing the, the family car and going off. I, mean, I thought it was an interesting thing. when it's like when Harry's like falling out like in front of the train. I kept thinking, like, do the rest of the Hogwarts students you think these two guys are the biggest jackasses in the world, or like they're just the coolest guys ever? Yeah, I mean, that's not in the book at all. They just they fly up into the clouds and they dip down occasionally to follow the train, uh, mm-hmm. but there's no like almost getting hit by the Hogwarts Express and falling out or anything. Well, I, I feel like it's like the book is like the very British version, and the movie is the Ameri- very American version. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Got any lowlights? Uh, low lights, Dursleys as usual. Like I said, mm-hmm. all the catching up stuff and just reliving the tortured victimhood of Dobby. Oh, Dobby, the Jar Jar Binks of oh. Harry Potter world. Gee, like he shows up, he's absolutely grotesque looking. He's got to smell like shit because he's wearing like a filthy diaper made of potato well, he's, sacks. He's totally infuriating, which yeah. is yeah. somewhat the in, the intent, right? You know, like you you want this guy to just. It's like, oh, my God, shut the fuck up. You're going to get Harry in trouble. But you can only take so much of that. Well, and Harry, again, a little like, you know, like uh, uh, Radcliffe can definitely go to the anger. Mm-hmm. But he's still so like, like even tempered about it all. Like, oh, oh, Dobby, you're just going to mm-hmm. get me in trouble. I'm just going to get the belt yet again. Yeah. Uh, Another one of my big issues with this movie, obviously, is just Jenny. Um Ginny should have been more present in this movie. I mean, this is a, in some senses, this is a mystery movie mm-hmm. and she's the, the whodunit part of it, you know, like mm-hmm. she, she's the, the one who did it. Uh, she should have just been around more. We should have seen her reacting to each new attack, more of her being shy around Harry, more of her just kind of like being there in the background. I mean, she's in some shots, but not nearly enough. They did a better job of Ian Hart, I think, and, and Snape in the first one. They they should have done more of Jenny being the literal red herring, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I wanted to ask you, in the book, when she has her thing where she walks in and sees Harry in her house and she's just like squeaks like a mouse and runs away. Mm-hmm. Does she have dialogue in the book there? Uh, that scene, I don't believe she has dialogue. No, she just she like walks down the stairs, sees him and like yelps and runs away. But I, I don't know. I just... I feel like they they didn't know how to play Ginny. She seems like she's just like funner, like more fun in the book. Um, mm. Like uh, later on when he's going up the stairs, he kind of looks over and like a door slams because she was just watching him. Mm. Uh, like she's clearly obsessed with Harry and it's kind of like a running joke. Uh, but she's would... not. I don't know. She just like she's spunky in a way that she just isn't in, in this. And also like her hair is just wrong. Like. So many times in the books, it describes like Ginny and her, like her vivid hair, her flaming hair. Like you look at Ginny in the movie and it's just like dishwater, basically, you know, like it's like the dowdiest, like Irish nun hair you could possibly have. See that Irish nuns. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I the the inventiveness of the whole Tom Riddle reveal, I think, thankfully carries you through the ending because they're just like, oh, and by the way, it was Jenny. You know, yeah, this, this, this unconscious girl. I I just I kept looking at all the stuff with her, thinking like, oh, here's how they just wrote around the fact that the actors can't handle dialogue or whatever. You know, like it just seemed like so mm-hmm. many of her. I mean, like literally the ending there, it's like she just lays there unconscious. Yeah, <laughs> is that is that what you do of an actor who can't handle 
the remotest possibility of a line. And they, you know, they had to work hard at the performances in the first movie. Well, I, I mean, it just makes you wonder, was it, was it they didn't think they could get a good performance or do they just not consider the character like important or something? Yeah. I don't know. It's very strange. I mean, I know Rowling had to have told them like, look, this is an important character. Right. But it seems like, you know, they, they put all their work into casting the main three and not so much with some of these other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other lowlights for you? Um, no, really, that that's that's it. I mean, it's like you said, it's I enjoyed the mood as it progressed. And that's we'll go into my world building in a minute. But like a lot of it, it just it felt too elongated. I enjoyed a little bit of the the pace in the first one where it built the atmosphere. And here, I don't know, it was almost it was too murky at times. And there wasn't enough forward progression. Yeah, I just felt like the pacing was really slow and clunky in this movie. There's a lot of scenes where it almost feels like everyone's just waiting around for the last person to finish their line before they can say their line type of stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like they're just waiting and trading dialogue and like that. Uh, I, I'm sure, you know, you didn't like the Dursleys, the scene where the pudding is like floating. Mm-hmm. That takes like way too long for the pudding to fall. Like Harry's just standing there with his arms out like forever. You're just like, you know, he's like inching closer and closer and it just mm-hmm. like, it's like get on with it. Well, there's it's, that whole, it just feels so stagey. That whole sequence. Mm-hmm. And I and I sat there and I thought to myself, like at the end of that whole that whole scene, like Vernon, why the fuck are you putting bars on that window? You don't want this kid. You had to surgically remove a tail from from your mm-hmm. other son because of this. Like, why would you keep him away from his like magical buddies? Just get get this kid the fuck out of there. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine that Harry is documented, you know, with the government <laughs> or whatever. Like, just throw him out on the street. You don't care that he gets protection from living. Oh, well, you would think you just be like, go take a walk and come back in three hours. But they don't I, trust him. Is like, is is Dumbledore like writing the Dursleys a weekly check, like to keep Harry there to pay for him? Just no. get him, get him out of there. Like you don't, like I say, you don't care that he's he's getting protection from living in your home. Like, just get him the fuck out of your house. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk a little bit about the source material. I have read the books. You have not. I really wish you would. End um, <laughs> <laughs> <Into> of story. <laughs> yeah, you should. I mean, you're you're only hurting yourself. Yes, it's true. So let's see. Um, they kind of brush over, like, at the end of the last movie, Hagrid is like, hey, Harry, like, you know, the Dursleys don't know. You can't do magic. So threaten them. Um, they basically brush over that whole thing in this, um, cause it, Harry, they're supposed to find out that Harry can't do magic when Dobby does his little, little floating pudding trick. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they get an owl saying like magic was done at this address. Uh, and so then the Dursleys are furious, you know, cause they find out that Harry's just been, you know, putting them on the whole time and he can't actually do magic against them. Mm. Um, so that was just. It's it's weird that they they set up that thing in the last movie and then just like didn't pay it off at all, you know. With they ha- ran, out, ran out of time. Yeah, yeah, they ran out of time. It's only a three hour movie. Um, a little detail I like from the books is that uh, when Harry gets the free collection of Lockhart's novels, mm-hmm. he gives them to Ginny because he doesn't like he's like you know he knows the Weasleys are poor and so he's like here you have these I'll buy my own. Well, she uh, seems just, in the movie pretty obsessed. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what did you think of Ginny as a character in this movie? Not much, because there's not much. Because she has, 
I don't even remember when she has her first line of dialogue. I guess mm-hmm. it's somewhere like after Lockhart shows up because she yelps at Harry's appearance, which I thought was cute. It's it's a good little girl detail. And then she's like just as enamored with like Lockhart's appearance. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if she says anything when like uh, Lucius grabs her book and like puts the other book in there. I don't. Yeah, I have some thoughts on that. I can't remember when she says a single line of dialogue in, in retrospect. Yeah, and just, she's more fun in the books. Um, Lucius in the books, he has, you can tell that like he knows his son's kind of a wanker. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he actually, he himself gets into fisticuffs with the Arthur Weasley at Flourish and Blots. Oh. That, it was like, you know, like Harry and, and Ron and Malf and, you know, uh, Draco kind of face off a little. And then, like, you know, the dads come in to try to smooth it over, and then they end up going at it with each other. It's kind of a funny scene. Like physical fisticuffs? Like, like, like you know, hold it, you know, each gets held back by other people kind of thing, but, like, you know, almost coming to blows type of thing. What does Lucius do for a profession with the ministry? I think he's just rich. I mean, he's a governor of the school. Okay. Um, and he's, like, old money, basically. He comes from an old wizarding family. That's what I thought at first, but then it was, like, uh, uh, Okay, Weasley, I'll see you at work. And I was like, uh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll have to look it up. Maybe he does have some kind of job. Although it kind of makes you wonder, like, old money wizards, like the the idea of old money in Britain and whatnot was that you uh, you were like a duke or whatever. You know, you had a bunch of like peasants like, that you're collecting taxes on. Like, right. in the wizarding world, how does that work exactly? Just imagine it's Downton Abbey, but it's the Malfoys. Mm-hmm. Where they're all basically Thomas. Um, there was a really good scene that they cut out when Harry and Ron first get to Hogwarts. They are kind of peeking into the Great Hall. They haven't gone in yet, and they see that like Snape isn't at his uh, his seat. And they're like, they start talking shit. They're like, oh, like maybe you got fire. That'd be awesome. And then like Snape's like right behind them. Like it's a it's a really good moment. It would have totally killed. Like you know, Alan Rickman would have crushed it, but yeah. they cut it out. I don't know why they cut it out. Like like for Filch instead. Like. There's this weird half-assed attempt in this movie to like build up Filch, yeah. That I'm just not sure why. Like, why would you take that moment away from Snape? Yeah, Filch like he seems to really love Snape. Yeah, Snape can get shit done as far as like the people that they fucking despise, like Harry and Ron. Let's see. Uh, a little bit later on in the book, uh, when Harry and Ron get their punishments from McGonagall, mm-hmm. there's a bit where Harry kind of like it's very bold of him. He he talks uh mcgonagall out of taking weight points from gryffindor because he's just like technically we stole the car before we got here so this shouldn't count against uh you know gryffindor and she kind of like hides a smile like it's it's a good little moment like that would have played well i think for her to kind of be impressed with his uh gumption Hmm. his cheek i wonder like do the professors who are the heads of houses do they get any kind of bonus for like That's their house winning the house cup. Yeah, what do they get? Because like, it doesn't seem almost right that that McGonagall can hand out points or. I think it's like the crowd. the honor system, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is they're British. They're they're not a bunch of like cheating Americans. True. I I think that you found out why uh, there was the Nimbus two thousand in the first movie, mm-hmm. just just so you could see the Nimbus two thousand one here. Yeah. <laughs> um. Later in the book, Hagrid is actually funny, I realized as I reread the book recently. Uh-huh. Um, when they go to see Hagrid after the whole slug incident where uh, Ron's like vomiting up the slugs, like Hagrid is kind of he's, he's messing with Harry. Like he's like, Harry, what's this I hear about you giving out like signed photos? And 
Yeah, because the whole like photo thing with Colin Creevy. And Harry gets like really mad and then Hagrid's like, ah, I'm just fucking with you, you know. Uh, and then he, he mentions Ginny later on. He's like, I'll bet she wouldn't say no to a signed photo. And like, he's actually kind of like, you can see why they would like Hagrid, at least in the books. Oh, Harry, I'm just teasing. I know yeah. it's called Swallop. I can't even write or read. Another bit they cut out, uh, Hermione, in order to get the, the advanced potions book, they need access to the uh, restricted section of the library. Mm-hmm. And so Hermione just goes and asks Lockhart. And he just does it because he's an idiot. Nice. Um, that would have been a fun scene. And and she's much more defensive of Lockhart in the book. Like, even though he's clearly like Harry and Ron are just like, fuck this guy. I think that works, though. I think because Hermione, who who really savors being a student and getting that education, I can mm-hmm. see where she could have a misguided like admiration for Lockhart. Yeah, that fits. Yeah. Um, and. One last thing in the books that seems somewhat important. I'm surprised they cut this out. Like, Riddle actually does learn something from Harry at the end, although I'm not sure if this knowledge would ever translate to the real Voldemort. Uh, but he learns that the reason the curse didn't work on Harry was because Harry's mother sacrificed herself for him. Hmm. Uh, and that, that sacrifice is going to come up again and again in kind of the lore. Ad nauseum. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, a little bit about world building. Well, also, let's just say the riddle, the Tom Diary riddle, Tom Riddle Diary, sorry, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the Tom Diary riddle, like that is a nice introduction for the whole Horcrux thing later without ever like using Mm -hmm. that word. I thought that was, I mean, like as far as world building, I think that's pretty smart. Um, Yeah, I wonder if she knew at the time. I don't know, but I mean that it feels like she had this all planned out mm-hmm. yeah plus i mean you look at you look at like like i said just ron and hermione and it feels like she had these two getting together planned out all along <laughs> much to the chagrin of the uh, film producers yeah yeah poor david Heyman. um world building like uh, it's interesting that they brought in like ministry of magic more because you're going to see these guys a lot you know the weasleys Ginny, malfoys uh jesus christ it's, this is almost like lucius malfoy's movie in a way i'm pretty sure he has more screen time than jenny does yeah yeah um what do you I think of the flute powder that seems like a really shitty way to travel yeah it's it seems Just like show up covered in soot well like it's a it's a helpful reminder that these people are fucking poor <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean like especially like when it's like the green flame i i could see, very well see harry being like fuck this well, in Nocturne Alley, it's like they have like one nice shopping center for the wizards and then one for like the criminals. Like the 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 heroin addicted mm-hmm. uh, wizards. Like, <laughs> like I almost feel like they should have they should have not had Hagrid come up with a bullshit excuse for why he's there. Like I like that Hagrid. What are you doing here? And he should just been like, oh, anyway, <laughs> getting some of that half giant strange. That's what I'm doing here. Agra likes the animals. You know what I'm saying? So, was Amir like the the mandrakes? That's pretty fucked up. Like, yeah, just they're just like, oh yeah, there's these like little babies that we're gonna raise so they're adults, and then we're gonna cut them up and make a potion out of them. So, I found Professor Sprout to be kind of boring, but well, they don't give a, her much. Yeah, there is a long storied history of mandrake, at least in stories of witchcraft and like mm-hmm. biblical tales. That's fascinating. Like, it's considered to be a, a key ingredient in love potions. It's possibly a hallucinogenic, and there are like old world stories about its screams when uprooted, and how those screams can kill people nearby. I mean, even like Shakespeare would write about how using mandrake could kill your enemies or get mm-hmm. you laid. 
What I want to know is, can you even be a vegan in the wizarding world? Because because the uh, the vegetables like have well, isn't kind of the idea of being a vegan is you know you're not going to eat anything with a face. I, I guess so. Among other things, I mean, if if you're doing it for uh, kind of you know idealistic reasons, like these these plants appear to be alive and kind of sentient, but sorry, still going to chop you up and make a potion out of you. I mean, they're they're full on like little like plant root fetuses. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> I really uh, want to know why Harry has to to practice Quidditch with the rest of the team. Like all he does is fly up and like look around for the snitch. Like why does he even need to go to practice? You think what, he's does, he, what just, does he do during practice? You think he'd just be chilling in the bleachers of like some Gatorade, just watching? Mm-hmm. Also, I think that 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 scene of Professor Sprout, like, I think that's the last time we'll ever see Susan Bones, right? Susan Bones, um, yeah. Columbus's daughter. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I found, like, a wiki that showed, like, every actor and, like, what movies they're in. I don't think she's in any others. There's actually a lot of actors in this movie you don't see again. Like, uh, Nearly Headless Nick, he never shows up again. Uh, some of the other ghosts never show up. Yeah, understand. Because they're, they're pointless. They're utterly pointless. Yeah. I mean, other than have them like be involved in like maybe like the defense of Hogwarts and at the end, like they're pointless. Mm-hmm. Except for giving you the news. You would think Harry's training would just be like they just have like a snitch and they just like throw it up and say like, "All right, go catch it." And like that would just be his training all day would be to go catch a snitch. Like he doesn't need to do like like they're like charting plays and shit, you know, like a, a wood the the captain. Like he he wouldn't have anything to do with that. I mean, I guess you could you could be involved in like defense on the occasion, but but he shouldn't he shouldn't be though. Like his only job is to get the snitch because it's it's such a a big swing of advantage. Like that's the whole game is getting the snitch more or less. Well, you know, I wonder like if his if his purpose there is to recognize their play so he doesn't bump into them. I guess maybe because yeah. I mean this one will tell you. They bump into a lot of shit in the Seeker's life. I mean, I don't know how. Like, I want to see like the whole stadium come crashing down from the way him and Draco were fucking that thing up. Yeah, really. Yeah, Harry, not. I mean, you've got a rogue bludger chasing you, and you're just like, oh, I'm going to fly right into the crowd with this thing. Like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, Harry is fucked up. Like, I mean, he, it seems like at one point, like, he's aiming at the crowd, too. Mm-hmm. Just, like, taking out the, uh, like, high rise stands left and right. Yeah. Like, at what point are they, like, Whoa, whoa, whoa! Maybe we should stop the match before we're all killed. It's it's fitting that they don't even have Madame Hooch in this movie because mm-hmm. she clearly wasn't refereeing this day. Yeah, no referee at all. That's no, the only no problem. Dumbledore in the stands is just like I'd like to see how it turns out. Yeah, not going to do anything if uh, one of those high rises collapses and everybody dies. Eh. Yeah, I've never I've never seen that happen before. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing that happen. I'm an extremely hands off headmaster. It really is, uh, which maybe is uh, the difference between him and the what's the previous headmaster's name that we get in this one? Oh, Dippet, I believe. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dumbledore has an interesting look fifty years earlier. <laughs> Dumbledore looks almost exactly the same fifty years earlier. It's like <laughs> fifty years earlier, you still look look like you're fucking eighty years old. Really, he had, like a weird hat. Yeah, he, the hat was maybe a little different. Maybe like not as gray in the beard and hair and whatnot, but. Yeah, the the timeline thing is a little weird that that well, what's especially weird is that uh, this was 50 years ago. It's like 1993. So that would have been like 1943. 
Theoretically, in two years, Dumbledore is about to go have a huge wizarding fight with uh, Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. That seems strange that, like, at the height of Grindelwald's, like, dark reign, Voldemort is at school, but they never seem to cross paths ever. Like, I always thought that was a little weird, like, just in the timeline of the story. I guess it makes sense in the sense that you have guys like Lockhart, who are, like, the superstars in this world, and as we'll find in the future movies, like, the kids are aware a little bit of, like, the larger world of, you know, mm-hmm. wizarding heroes. Um... Like, is it, it's the fourth one they bring in, like the the students from the other schools and stuff, for the the uh, tri wizard oh, yeah. tournament or whatever. Yeah, the the tri wizard tournament with the other schools. Uh, let's see, one other fun world building stuff. I like that uh, Lockhart has a little wand holster in the dueling <laughs> club thing, which makes me wonder, like, where does everybody else carry their wands? Like, they're a little bit too long for pockets. I would think. I feel like you'd be like snapping those things, like breaking them constantly. Does nobody like he, like, at the sat sc- on them or something? Does nobody at the school like think, okay, Ron, like you really need a new wand? Seriously, how does he make it a whole year with a busted up wand? That okay. it's, that seems like like if you were like uh, learning how to program, but like your computer's hard drive was failing on you, like how would you go a whole year? You know. But it's different though because if your hard drive was failing on you, that really only affects you, unless mm-hmm. you're going to like hacking school, like. Ron is doing magic that could also directly affect other people. How does I he mean, even get through class every day? Because it seems that your wand is more important than your fucking pencil because there is no math class or whatever. Well, that also makes me just think in general that it's pretty messed up that they can't do magic when they're away from school. Yeah. How do you practice? Yeah, exactly. It feels well, like, like you're just handcuffed or during summer vacation. Also, uh, Hermione... Uh, if you ever do get romantically involved with Ron, just remember that he spent a couple of days vomiting up slugs. Yeah, Ron has a lot of that. <laughs> uh, the dueling club in general, like, they don't teach them anything. No, no, it's just watch us. <laughs> they watch us. All right, now you guys duel. Yeah. Uh, it's like, no, we're not going to tell you, like, what spell to use or anything. We're not going to, like, teach you, like, the disarming spell or, like, a good stunning spell. Eh, just go duel. We're just yelling things out. Yeah. We're not even going to teach you how to fall right. Nope. Or how to do flips in the air. Right? No instruction at all. Nice club. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Hogwarts seems like a fun school. It it does. I think the fact that if you're alive by your seventh year, <laughs> mm-hmm. there should be. Also, they cancel all like final exams. Yeah. Harry really gets off easy. Uh, cause, oh, like Hermione, she misses several weeks because of the polyjuice incident. Uh, right. she's petrified, misses several more weeks for that. Like, is it even possible to get held back at Hogwarts or do you just, they're just like, eh, no, you're a third year now, like, no matter what? Well, so she, she arguably misses like two months of school. And Probably yet more. She's still like, damn it, I want to take those finals. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I feel like the smart kids over in Slytherin and Ravenclaw are just like, the fuck do we even show up to this school for? You're <laughs> goddamn right they don't charge us tuition. Mm-hmm. I'm not learning shit. I really want to know, like, Harry has to write with a, a quill and ink. Like, are ballpoint pens too technological for Hogwarts? Because the, the quill, God, that's got to get old after a while. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, like, is there, like, a magical printing press for all of Lockhart's books? Like, how are those being made? Also... With, like, the magical, like, gift photos that they take. Mm-hmm. 
I, I wanted it to be like in the. How are those printed exactly? Just the movie magic? thing, like like the Lost in Space, the whole effect they did in that movie. Like I wanted the 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 photographer guy to be like, all right, I need to take like seventy five photos <laughs> in a half moon like rotation. <laughs> it's complicated, guys. Magic isn't easy. Um, the dude that like introduces himself to Harry at the fencing club and later gets petrified. Um, oh, Justin fin- Fletch Finch or whatever that guy's name is. Yeah, Finch Fletchy. Some, something like that. Like, you know, off that, topic. That guy's doesn't, fucking chin. Doesn't he look a lot like our friend Drew? Uh, maybe a little. <laughs> he has a, just a massive chin. I kept watching and thinking, like, is that makeup? Is that some sort of weird prosthetic? Because they wanted him to have, like, a really prominent chin. I really want that guy to come back in every movie. I don't movie. think he does. I know. But every movie, every time Harry, like, fucks up in front of, a, like, a crowd, I want that guy just to kind of step forward and just, like, shake his head disapprovingly. <laughs> I want him to be the, uh, oh, I forgot the guy's name, the Frank Grimes of Hogwarts for Harry. Mm. <laughs> All right. So those are my, my world-building thoughts. And now we can just... Move into the, the smorgasbord of uh, stuff I wrote while watching them. We have a lot of notes here. Um, How about it? Number one note is that Dobby, oh my god. I think Dobby, as soon as he's free, he's much better. Mm. Like, it's it's when he's, like, beating himself up constantly because he has a secret. It's just like, oh my god, you're so annoying. So, yeah, I, we should talk about Dobby at the end, though. Because okay. I, have, I have a lot. But I, I will just say this, though. It seems interesting because the Malfoy family seemingly just sits around masturbating over the idea of all the people they hate. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that Vernon, he was upset because Harry or Dobby really ruined his Japanese golfer joke? Yeah. So he's like a bit of a racist, too. Yeah. Shockingly. <laughs> God, Dursleys are awful. Um I, We got our first taste of the burrow. I kind of wish we spent more time there. Because it's, it's clear that, like, Harry, like, loves this place. Like, this right. is exactly what he wants. Like, he just wants to be a member of the Weasley family. Yeah, he just wants to live with these gingers in Hobbitland. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of miss, like, there's little moments here and there in the books where it's clear that, like, Molly is, uh, Molly Weasley's, like, Ginny's, like, her, her daughter. She's the only, the only girl in the family, you know? Right. And, like, they have, like, obviously, like, a, a close relationship that I don't think you really get in the movie as much. No, I mean, I think you could have easily done a scene at Hogwarts where Ginny basically just takes over for her mom and like bosses her brothers around. Well, there's a bit where uh, I, I can't remember if they even say it in the movie, but like when Ginny first shows up and then runs away and Ron says something like, oh, she's been talking about you all summer. And like in the books, like Molly kind of like glares at Ron, like shut the fuck up. You know, it's like mm-hmm. basically like protecting her daughter there. And so Ron shuts up uh, just little stuff like that. And, it, you know, it's. Wouldn't even add five seconds to the movie, probably. But if it's if you just took the time to consider other characters and how they would react and whatnot, I feel like this movie could really benefit from that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, would really benefit just the world building of the rest of the movies. I liked Arthur. Uh, I thought his performance. Was... Oh yeah, yeah. This is our first taste of Arthur Weasley. Yeah, I thought he was good. I think he he walks a good line between being the kind of like goofy dad, like. He he's not like full king of queens in it, you know. Like right. he's he's kind of goofy, but then so is Molly, and he's not like totally incompetent either. Uh, there was a bit actually they they took a a, a little detail away from him that I think would have worked well when Harry get breaks his glasses and the flea powder, mm-hmm. 
he uh like in the movie uh hermione repairs him again because that's like her thing but in in the book uh arthur weasley is the one who does it. he just kind of like takes harry's glasses and like you know just taps him with his wand and they're fixed that that's a good little moment to kind of show that like this guy you know he may be a little like you know jokey but he still knows the shit he's a good wizard right right was misuse of muggle artifacts yeah misuse of muggle artifacts is his job which makes secretly obsessed with muggles makes me think like okay so like they're doing lots of raids are they especially his department is doing lots Mm -hmm. of raids oh what are they raiding like stonehenge like what no they're raiding um like like muggle or not muggle uh wizard like houses and whatnot looking for for muggle artifacts artifacts that have been enchanted and misused yeah Okay, I'm just thinking, like, I'm picturing, like, wizards who, like, they've got guns now or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's it's described, like, one of the things is, like, they will be sold, like, mean wizards will, it's, like, just wizards, like, fucking with the muggles, basically. Like, they'll they'll sell them keys that keep shrinking and disappearing, and, like, the muggles are too embarrassed to say anything about it. I would have loved, like, something with that. I, w- I also want to picture a montage where he goes to work, like, him and his buddies all show up outside of a house like via dust and they're all eccentrically dressed and then they put on like their uh like their dea vests <laughs> or something yeah. and some sunglasses and some like shitty rock music comes on and they kick in a door and just start like wanding people left and right oh <laughs> uh, i'm so much more enamored with like the universe of harry potter at times yeah well, there is that the actual story. There is that bit, and I think this scene was cut from the theatrical release where Lucius goes to sell stuff to Mister Borg in there, right? Um, which that scene was awful. That dude, I mean, Jason Isaacs, we should say, he nails Lucius Malfoy. Mm-hmm. The guy who plays Mister Borgen doesn't nail anything. He was terrible. over the, over the top. Yeah. Um, that scene was interesting because I kept thinking of just the uh, the set design of the location really made me feel. Because remember, this is the movie I remembered the least. I'm rewatching mm-hmm. it. I'm like also like comparing the movie as I'm watching it with my memory of the movie, mm-hmm. and like it made me feel so much more of the same stuff you see later in the series. Like I felt like they they really did a little good darker. Job of, yeah, yeah, like the atmosphere of this world and the places you could go. Um, can you imagine Jason Isaac as Snape? Oh gosh, no, I can't. I can't. I mean, Alan Rickman is Snape so through and through. I can't imagine anybody else in that role. I really wonder, like, if if Alan Rickman for some reason had not done Snape, if they would have gone to somebody like Jason Isaac. Hmm. I mean, Snape hmm. would have been fucking terrifying. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Jason Isaac probably is Snape in real life. Well, he definitely the hair is good for Lucius. Um, Malfoy in this movie, he's got like gel in his hair. Yeah, like Draco. Like, I don't know what's going on there. It's like you know, he's in like a new metal band or something. Well, like. I remember when I first watched this thinking that they they usurped Malfoy as like your lead, you know, bully. Yeah, like bully, like like long term bully way too soon. Mm-hmm. But like they're really setting up like the struggle that Malfoy, you, you really get a taste of it later on with what it's like, the, pre- the pressure he's on at home. Yeah. You know, like, like, dad, what if I don't want to masturbate over all the people that we hate? And then like Malfoy's senior like hits him with his cane, the fucking cane. Yeah, it's good cane. There's one hidden in it. Uh, there's a bit after Hermione repairs Harry's glasses, she kind of like weirdly smiles and like almost blushes at him, yeah. which I felt like was like another like 
like you know harry hermione like shipping moment which it almost makes me wonder should we have a section of this podcast that's just like shipper watch because um, i feel like there's all these little things it's like you can see the the war happening yeah because later on like harry and hermione hug at the end and then hermione and ron like kind of like they're about to hug and then it's awkward. So she shakes his hand instead. And it's like, what are you even trying to communicate right now? Well, I think you could do a larger argument about that, especially if you compare something like uh, Game of Thrones, where like the thing is being actively ad- adapted to another medium as it's the story still being told, much like this was at the time. Like, could there be like a subtle unspoken like uh war or dialogue between like the film producers and JK Rowling? Like, uh, like, yeah, go ahead and make Ginny, like, more popular in the books. We're mm-hmm. not doing it in the movies. Fuck <laughs> her. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I remember, like, the fourth one, really, like, them hitting home to me, the Harry Hermione stuff. Well, that's the one where Rhea Skeeter, like, spreads the rumor that she's his girlfriend. Okay, yeah, so, okay. Yeah. But even before that, just the fact that she does go to wish him luck in that tent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, she is on board with the Harry train. Well, the there's a good moment in the books. Like, it, they, I feel like they totally miss it in the uh, in the movie when Malfoy they're at Flourish and Plots, and Malfoy like is like way too aggressive, and he's just like, "Bet you like that, Potter," you know, like uh, getting his picture taken. And Jenny steps up, and she all she says in the in the movie is she's just like, "Leave him alone," and she just like stands there, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just clunk you know like what she says in the book she says leave him alone he didn't want all that and it makes it seem like she's just like kind of more aware Mm -hmm. and like she and just more sophisticated and like mature you know like she knows that like harry didn't want that attention she's not just being like leave him alone Mm -hmm. um and then like you like malfoy he's like oh harry's got a girlfriend and like we should get a cut of Ginny like blushing at that and we just don't get it in the movie it's like the movie's just not interested in her character at all well, instead, you want Malfoy to be like, who the fuck are you? Well, she's like, Weasley, obviously. Yeah. But uh, also, is it weird that Hermione's parents are there? <laughs> uh, no, they're they're allowed to be there. They're allowed to be in Diagon Alley? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's she might be muggle-born, but like once if you if you have like a, a child that's a wizard, you're, you're allowed to know some stuff. What is the process by which you first become aware of all this? I wonder then. And it's like you get, you get the the owl, you get the letter inviting you to Hogwarts. So that's that's terrifying on its own. I, mean, I do wonder, like, if is there a special process if the both parents are Muggle-born? You know, does does is there any extra explanation? You know, like by the way, I, wizards are real. I would want somebody to knock on my door. Yeah, yeah. And explain to me. I wouldn't want just some kind of deranged foul mm-hmm. to be delivering like haunted mail to me or whatever i would like someone to explain to me because i feel like once they drop her off on her way like these dentists go home and just weep (laughs) how terrifying the world really is and then they work on people's mouths maybe this is reading too much into it but like in in the book and in the movie lockhart he's always kind of like putting his hand around harry and like kind of holding on to him and guiding him around is there any kind of implication there you know, because of the implication. Because of the implication. Um, you know, I think you could make that argument a lot in, in a lot of characters over mm-hmm. the course of this series. Yeah. The the, the dangerous uh, uh, over-familiarity with youth <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or obsession with them, certainly. 
Yeah, I did notice another thing in this for uh, the the Ron fans to complain about. Um, in the book, he he he's smart enough to know to use the invisibility booster on the car, mm-hmm. but he has to be reminded of it in the movie. It kind of just like another thing that makes him seem dumber than he is. Yeah. It seems like it'd be complicated driving a flying car, especially if that flying car really only had the same controls as, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know exactly how car. steering t- goes left and right, but like, how do the what control, uh, goes, uh like back? the yaw and the pitch and whatnot? Yeah. Yeah. Can you pull back? Was it mirrored in Snape seems slightly off in this movie? Yeah. Well, as I was saying, like, his, like, his accent wasn't quite as like lubricious as usual. My Snape impression falls apart when he talks fast, as he does when Harry and Ron first show up at Hogwarts. I, I couldn't repeat those, that dialogue at the same velocity he does. Well, it, he it he seems, like, too concerned, you know? Like, it, it's just, like, a weird look. You, you'd think he'd just be, like, luxuriating and, like, they're being in trouble. But he, he comes I off think... as, like, you know, worried. Well, I think he is because there's real-world consequences out I in the guess. world. But... I wanted more like, you don't understand. We have to go remove those people's brains or something. I wanted, like, what are the consequences to muggles who see flying cars? Eh, Just a bunch of, like, memory charms, I'm sure. They're going to spend the rest of their lives in a mental asylum. Well, like, there's a lot of, like, loose threads in this movie that, like, it's obvious they're trying to, like, I don't know, these, like, winks to the book, or did they ever have more that they cut or something? But, like, uh, Hagrid's rooster problem that's explained in the book. It's never followed up in the movie. Um, Filch being a squib. Like right. they, they had that one shot of him, like he has like the quick spell letter that Harry finds. That's never followed up on at all, really. Mm. Uh, Percy has like a secret girlfriend in this movie. I don't know if you even noticed that. No. They, there's a little hints here and there to it, but it's, it, unless you've read the book, you wouldn't know what those are, basically. Um, and I feel like it's just, this is establishing a bad precedent for the later movies because fans are now used to this kind of bad storytelling being excused because it's fan service. And so in the later movies, when they just like cut plot lines completely, I think fans are like, they, they get outraged and they're like, but you know, they managed to fit it all into like the first two movies. Uh, but I think it's a bad precedent to set because now it, I think people got used to these movies just being like visual companions. Does, uh, do they ever reveal who the secret girlfriend is? Is it ever important? In the book. Yeah, it's it's Penelope Clearwater, who is also, like, her and Hermione get uh, uh, petrified at the same time. Oh, okay. But that obviously isn't in the movie. Hmm. Um, but it's definitely, like, there's a reason Percy's always, like, showing up in weird places in the movie. Like this would be, like, a red herring. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's, like, it just goes nowhere. I don't even know why they bothered with it. I constantly forget that Percy's, like... An actual Weasley. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like I always, I always forget. I know that there's the guy who does like the dragons. I know there's Jenny. I always assume it was just like Ron and Fred and George. Mm-hmm. Um, I always well, like because he doesn't go with them to rescue Harry from the Dursleys, does he? Uh, no, he doesn't. He wouldn't do that. He's a good boy. So there's the shot uh, when they're all at the breakfast table mm-hmm. in the Weasley home, and it's like they kind of pan and like suddenly like Percy's there too. And I kept thinking, like, this is that scene in the TV show, or like season five, where like you know he goes this character and never comes back. Well, no, it's like this. Like, uh, do you remember the episode of uh, uh, Next Generation where like suddenly like they all woke up and they had their memories wiped, and there's like a, like Commander Riker's not the first officer. There's this other guy, and I it's like know. you know this guy's evil, 
but like they're presenting like he's been there all along like mm-hmm. he's poochie <laughs> i was like who the fuck is that guy oh that's percy right yeah. well like hagrid with the rooster like did that make any sense to you at all i mean it shouldn't I, no i will say the only thing hagrid and i have is that we talked about in the last episode i kept thinking oh god how weird it is like i know later on like harry harry like looks up the dumbledore as his primary mentor and i was like oh i forgot hagrid was like his initial guy mm-hmm. i kept thinking that lasted for a few movies like hagrid's pretty much useless to them after this one like once he goes to jail like they're mm-hmm. like why do we ever look up to hagrid he, he doesn't, a he doesn't pretty, have a 10th grade education that's a pretty raw deal for hagrid i mean, we will get to that later but uh yeah the the rooster thing the the other detail about the basilisk that they leave out in the movie is that uh the cry of a rooster will kill a basilisk and so uh the diary has had Ginny going around like murdering roosters to you know eliminate that threat um but it's it's like if you weren't going to put that in why did you have the whole rooster thing you know like like you should have just cut it completely out instead of halfway out right yeah I just, I felt like, again, for me, watching the movie with just those eyes, like, the the inventiveness of the riddle reveal carried it over. Like, because mm-hmm. the Ginny thing, I felt like, really wasn't set up well in the movie at all. And partly because she has no character. But she just fades into the background in any scene that she's an extra in anyway, because she's such a non-entity. Well, I think they could have had even more fun with the evil monologue at the end. Is like Tom Riddle's like joking about like the increasing panic of Ginny as she keeps writing in her diary, like, "Oh my God, I don't know what's happening. Like, I woke up covered in blood and feathers. You know, (laughs) I don't know what's going on." Like, she's like going, you know, losing her mind slowly as as he's controlling her. Well, Riddle, which first of all, Marvolo is such a great middle name. Riddle should have been like, "By the way, Harry, I'm so good at this evil shit." That I've basically done a spell and removed Ginny from the movie. <laughs> we, we, uh, I think we filter in this movie. Like, I had to go look. Like, I was like, was he in the last movie? Why are they making such a big deal out of his, like, entrance in this movie? He was in the last movie. So I don't know what, what they're doing there. But we get a good look at Mr. Nor- or Mrs. Norris's cat, the main coon. I like that cat. Red eyed cat. Red eyed for no reason. His eyes are supposed to be yellow. Uh, or her her eyes i don't know what that's about just just a reminder that uh like mr filch and and his daemon are uh Mm -hmm. evil or or crotchety evil it definitely seemed like they had like the kind of architecture and geography of hogwarts a little more thought out in this movie yeah like the big sweeping shots we get i feel like we're seeing more of the castle than we did in the last movie well you really got a sense of which part of the castle is the cafeteria mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and from the outside, how much space that takes up. So it's like, I know based on the shape of the building, like the hallway that leads to the cafeteria, like I have an idea of how that works now. I thought that was interesting. Um, I don't know where that little like side, uh, like by the teacher's area with the teacher's like last supper table. Like I'm kind of curious about the little exit they have there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really? That's why I feel like they should do a video game that, like, you know, it could be like the Battle of Hogwarts video I think game. They or had a lot of Harry Potter video games, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like you could do like one of those big. Like, it was back when these movies were coming out. That was back when they made like, you know, companion video games for movies. 
I think they could do an interesting game though that just kind of lets you explore Hogwarts, like as a mm-hmm. student, and you you get education. And I'm saying it, it may well exist. Okay, if someone if it exists, someone let us know. Yeah, I like the little touch where uh, when Lockhart releases the pixies, his uh, the the paintings of him are fighting the pixies too. Oh God, that that painting! I'm so glad you reminded me. That is so meta. It is fucking beautiful. <laughs> That he had, he's standing in front of a painting of himself, painting, painting, a painting himself, himself. Yeah, that like to me, if I was the executive at a film company, I would greenlight the movie just for that. It's I, I hope Kenneth Branagh has some kind of painting of that on his wall. God, I love that so much. I'm such a weirdo, but I, I adored that. Let me ask you this: Did you, did you kind of hate Lockhart as a character, like the way you would like Umbridge? Like I kind of felt a little bit of that. Like there's something so awful about like kind of like just not only him as a, a, a single character but who he represents uh, it like i feel like rowling really knows how to like get under your skin with these type of kind of like banal evil characters i don't think so umbridge i remember watching that movie in the theater and with like clenched fists <laughs> um whenever she was on screen uh for for kenneth Branagh, like the character is so dastardly egomaniacal that I, I almost wanted to stand up and salute him. Like, it was so impressive to me what a uh, magnificent uh, douchebag he was. I, I loved it. I mean, like, I remember that he was going to eventually turn on them at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I just loved it. I Maybe loved it's moment. just more because I, I remember more of him from the book. And just, God, he just makes my skin crawl. Mm. I Especially, like, just watching him and Snape try to, like, see who could eat more scenery. <laughs> Knowing that the threat of Lucius Malfoy is out there, who's also oh, got yeah. a appetite for scenery. <laughs> what, no, there's what did a, you there's think... a video game. Actors trying to eat the scenery. Yeah. What did you think of the scene where Malfoy calls Hermione a mudblood? Oh, it's pretty fucked up. I, I'm just curious, like... It's all played off her reaction, so it makes you hate him. Well, see, it's interesting because... I don't know if it would surprise you to know that scene was played much differently in the book. Okay. Uh, Hermione doesn't know what mudblood means. Oh. And like the way it's played in the book is that Malfoy throws out mudblood and it's like immediate commotion. Like everyone's just basically like, oh shit. You know, it's like, like he just tossed out like a really dirty slur and right. like Im- instantly like Fred and George and like everyone are like, they're all like going at going for Malfoy and being held back. Like it causes an immediate stir. Uh, and then later, see, this is, I think, another thing that Ron kind of gets like shorted on. He's the one like Ron is like super upset about it, and he explains what a mudblood is like Hermione shouldn't know what a mudblood is in the movie. So mm-hmm. Ron has to explain it. And he's like very upset on her behalf, which on the one hand, it's like, you know, Hermione having her own moment is nice and all. But I do think it kind of shortchanged Ron's character a little bit to show that like he actually is like a, a decent guy, you know, like he he knows like, you know, how how awful this word is. I think they're painting that, that she's aware of it because she would have experienced it from other, you know, wizarding. Well, the point is like that it's not something you would normally hear. Like it's like an extremely dirty word. And Malfoy is like a total piece of shit for throwing that out there. And it's exactly the kind of thing Malfoy would do surrounded by a bunch of older kids who can protect them. Right. Hmm. The, the series definitely goes to the mythological genealogy, like Mm -hmm. real quick. And just, I don't know. There's an interesting undercurrent throughout. It's like weird xenophobia. 
Um, hmm. But I do think the kind of shortchanged Ron of a a good moment there to show that he's not just like the goofy sidekick constantly. Right. Because there's a, a lot as the story goes on where like Ron is obviously super protective of Hermione and it just comes out in weird ways sometimes. I gotta say, Draco needs to get better underlings than those two. <laughs> Crab pros. and Goyle. Yeah, Crab and Goyle, first of all. But, like, first of all, guys, have some self respect. Just because a cupcake is floating in midair <laughs> doesn't mean it's worth eating. Isn't it, though? I don't, I, you know what, though? I almost can't fault these kids because I feel like they're a realistic representation of what the Hogwarts diet will do to you. Really? Like, is there a PE class we haven't seen? Like, have to, there's kids, an elliptical machine somewhere. Like, those kids were 45 pounds lighter when that school year started. Like a serious <laughs> freshman 15 happening. Um, but it's like Malfoy. Like, he doesn't think anything of the fact that he has to repeat himself to these guys constantly. Or whatever. I did like the bit where he's just like, "Hey, no, you could read <laughs> you know, Malfoy," and he's kind of like, "Hmm, impressive." <laughs> Well, because it's not like it's being taught at Hogwarts. Yeah. Another bit I really liked was that you can tell that Snape and McGonagall both think Lockhart is totally full of bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Like, you just, you want to, like, go to the teacher's lounge and just hear them bitch. You know, like, as soon as Lockhart leaves, they just start just tearing him apart. You just know that, like, Snape's diary is full of so much shade. Mm-hmm. Well, later on, when... When they're just like, all right, you said you knew how, you know, where the chamber was. Why don't you go deal with it, asshole? Yeah. Like, yeah. you just, you, they're relishing that moment. I bet, I, yeah, I could just imagine Snape, like, chilling over a cup of coffee. Like, I feel like his coffee cup is like a little cauldron of a handle. Mm-hmm. And, like, McGonagall says something like, Ooh, about this. And then, you know, Snape has probably the best, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> bitch, please. Girl. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of the uh, the professors and whatnot, like Filch just like straight up threatened to murder Harry right yeah. in front of everyone. He's like, "I'll yeah. fucking kill you." Yeah, yeah. And poor Dumbledore just seems exhausted in this movie. Uh, sadly, this will be the last time we see Richard, Richard Harris. Harris. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll talk about Michael Gambon and get to him. Well, f- fortunately, you know Dumbledore had stuff to do in this movie. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, it's it's Dumbledore's a tricky character because yeah. he. He can't be around all the time, but he he always has to make it count when he is around. Yeah. Well, I mean, he just he was he had only like two conversations of Harry in the previous movie. Mm-hmm. So at least you you got more of him doing teach doing headmaster stuff, like talking of Harry one on one. You even got a like a kind of skewed flashback, which I thought was wonderful. And like you know, you see it one way, and then you realize it's actually something else later. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I feel like, you know, that's the problem of having so many characters, especially uh, big name actors playing a lot of those characters is you don't get like a a, don't get a lot of time. You don't get a lot of time with them. Like if if they don't have a lot of time with them, they're not going to be in the movie at all, which sometimes kind of hurts the world building. But like, you know, you didn't get as much Professor McGonagall as you would want. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of course, you never get as much Professor McGonagall as you might want. True. Um, And the. The bit with uh, like Hagrid and like why he got kicked out and whatnot, that almost makes me hate him more. Just because it's like, God, you fucking sap. Like, you let yourself get expelled over that stupid spider who's like yeah. really just an asshole. Yeah. Who's uh, a real it's just like piece frustrating. Yeah. Real piece of Well, and then nobody like has talked to you about like the spiders are taking over the forest. 
Yeah, thanks kind a of lot. Yeah. You'd, you'd think the, like, the centaurs would, like, totally hate Hagrid because of that. They're like, thanks a lot, asshole. Well, I feel like they... You it's ruined our s- hunting ground. Yeah, I think they, you got a sense that they probably didn't think highly of Hagrid when he showed up in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Step off, Hagrid. Also, how how fucking gross was that, like, floppy arm Harry had when all the oh, bones got Oh, yeah, that was, that was gross. <laughs> that was effectively squeamish you know um ugh. what was the uh the, the the stuff he drinks in the medical thing it was like oh, skeleton skeligro skeligro apparently it hurts a lot i kind of i'd like to take that challenge that's a very you thing mm-hmm. i could see you uh using your magic wand to like remove all the bones in your arm for a weekend and and just regrowing them yeah well, you know he, Give Harry shit here and there, but like he's a tough, tough sob. Like he just takes it. Yeah, gotta give him credit. Yeah, I like <laughs> how he's in a sick bay full of petrified children. Yeah, and then of course Dobby shows up, just be annoying. I like how Harry blames Dobby for almost getting him expelled. It's like, hey, he might have blocked you from the barrier, the platform. Like you're the dipshit he thought flying a car to school was gonna be the like the only way to get there. Like you can't put that on him. Yeah, yeah, you could have made a phone call probably. Dobby's just like, but did you die? No. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Dobby has an amazing array of magical powers. I mean, he can appear everywhere. He's pretty dialed into Hogwarts life. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it takes more than the passing knowledge, I think, to go, like, fuck up a Quidditch game. Well, he just enchants a bludger. But, I mean, you had to know that the game is this day. This is bludger. Because you haven't read the books, you don't know about Spew. Spew? Spew, yeah. Let me what Google. the fuck? What a spew. Let me get it's, the uh, it's, correct acronym. It sounds for this. wonderful. It is a society for the promotion of elfish welfare. Okay, so that's a big thing in like the fourth book, right? Yeah, and and on that's that is what ultimately gets uh gets Ron his kiss from Hermione in the books. It's okay. uh, his concern for the elves. That's a horrible acronym. It is. And it's it's effectively terrible. It's like Hermione's ill-fated uh like political advocacy campaign. Well, I mean they 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 completely cut that out of the fourth movie, right? Oh yeah, it's not in there at all. Okay. Fucking house elves. Oh, oh, one thing we gotta talk about. Moaning Myrtle. Uh let me let me just throw this out there. How old do you think that actress was? She's in her like uh, late twenties, I believe. No, she's like thirty-five. Oh, okay. What was she at the time? Yes, at the time. Okay. She's like fifty now. Yeah, she. I'm. I'm a, I can't remember her name. Um, I just want to know. Were they like? Here's how you want to. I want you to play it. Half the time you're like a six-year-old throwing a tantrum. The other half the time you're desperate for Harry's balls in your mouth. Am I wrong? Like, I mean, she seemingly, yeah, definitely wanted Harry to be her, uh, uh, like, undead, like, groom. Well, it doesn't help that they've got this 35-year-old playing what's supposed to be, like, a 12-year-old. And they've, like, they, they, like, accomplished this by, like, giving her, like, like, the porn star baby doll look where it's, like, like, you know, really bad bangs and, uh, like, pigtails and whatnot and glasses. Like, ooh. Because Shirley Henderson, the actress, now I don't remember her name, has basically made her entire career playing this character. Really? In a variety of things. That's yeah. bizarre. Yeah, she has. To me, that, uh, that, just. That's like, her real voice. That whole performance is so bizarre. 
I just, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. I'm looking at something here on like the Harry Potter wiki, and it's like the uh, the or the video game or whatever avatar of her actually looks like a like a child, like like mm-hmm. twelve. You know? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, like they're like, oh, we need somebody to play a twelve year old. I know. Let's let's cast this like middle aged woman almost. I don't know something about the character when I realized it was Shirley Henderson, who I've seen other things. I was like, yeah, I guess who else were they going to cast? Hmm. It's always going to be her. Yeah, I, I would not be familiar if, with her work. I would not be shocked if J.K. Rowling would, like wrote the wrote the character of her in mind or something. There's a whole thing of her like in Goblet of Fire, right? She shows up again there. there yeah, it's like it's isn't it a little weird. It's like she's like spying on him as he takes a bath and like coming up out of the bubbles and like it's 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 a little weird. Okay. I I feel like there was probably something improper between her and like nearly headless Nick too. Oh, fucking nearly headless Nick. What is up with that scene at the end where like ten different people had to say hello to him? Yeah. Or you're like, why why am I watching Nick just say hi to everyone for like a minute and a half? I wanted him to be like, I don't know who half of you are. Yeah. <laughs> no, the to me the best comedic moment. What is the thing where they're saying something in front of one of the portraits? And the portrait then has to turn and be like, she's right, you know. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing where I was like, that's not a bad bit. I wish a better director was in charge of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and then there's a, this totally just and delicious scene where Harry, it's like cut to Harry with Hedwig, like just like out, you know, in nature. And he's just like, who am I, Hedwig? What am I? And it just cuts away again. It's like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Like, it's like i can't believe that made it into the movie yeah yeah it's like carrie's like, like batman shot where he's just like watching the landscape well it's like can could you be a little more obvious yeah could you just have him turn to the camera and be like this is my character motivation <laughs> while hedwig starts like like licking himself or whatever yeah. like there's always the moment in each harry potter movie for where for whatever reason the rest of the school hates him at some point you know, they all you know something comes up, and now they all hate Harry for one reason or another. Like in the last movie, it's because they got all the points taken away from Gryffindor, mm-hmm. and in this one, it's because they think he's the heir of Slytherin. And Harry's all like kind of like pissy about it, but like I noticed that scene where he like he gets up and he walks past like this table of Hufflepuffs, and he's like staring them down as he goes. It's like you know that might not be helping you. <laughs> Maybe no. that's why they're scared of you. You would have thought the Slytherin kids would have rallied around Harry a little more. You know? Oh, Slytherin are just assholes. But it's like, that would have been a good time. Because, I mean, if Harry, like, the perception that Harry's, like, this evil heir of Slytherin, like, he's getting more shit accomplished, Mm -hmm. according to the grapevine, than, like, Draco is. Well, it does make me wonder, like, is there nobody older, like, an older Slytherin student who's just like, hey, Malfoy, like, get your ass in line. You know, like, you're just, you're second year. Yeah, you don't call yeah. the shots around here. You're like dragging down our whole house, like with this stupid rivalry you have with Harry Potter. This hate crush you have on him. Yeah, mm-hmm. you should be spending your second year like licking the boots. Yeah, I the Myrtle thing. Another thing about too, it reminds me in a very uncomfortable way of like uh, uh, the Kirsten Dunst character in Interview with a Vampire, where it's like your yeah, whole mindset is frozen that. in that time period. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, so like her weird stunted sexuality as she watches people bathe later on is it's even creepier. I'm sure we can get to that in Goblet of Fire. Yeah, just be icked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
there's a another scene where Harry's he's talking about like he's he's doubted himself so much now he wonders like is it possible I could be doing something bad without knowing I did it like if ever there is a scene that demanded Ginny be in the background of like that is the scene seriously like I I don't know how you you miss that like it, she totally needed to be like sitting next to Ron or something like that just like on the edge of the frame for that yeah seriously and I'm pretty sure she is present in the book for that. Chris Columbus is just not doesn't get it. I guess I don't know. There's yeah. just well, I mean, I, obvious no brainer moment. It's it's maybe not fair that I've been rewatching uh, Azkaban as well lately, and just the the difference is so jarring. Yeah, uh, just between it's like one of these directors is clearly more talented than the other one, and like just knows how to tell a better visual story. Well, I, I saw something where Frank Oz had said that he was offered this movie and he turned it down. That would have been interesting. It would I mean, have been considering what you know of like Frank Oz's filmography as a director. Uh, well, I know they they basically like this was a a machine of production. Like they they did the first two back to back, and they switched to an eighteenth month schedule for the rest of them. But like there, it was like this was a constant like uh, churn. For years and years i do wonder like it seems like they the continuity was important to them it would have been interesting if they did like you know brought in a different director for each one like i don't know maybe mm-hmm. maybe that wouldn't be as consistent as having like one guy do like half of them but i would be curious to see what that would look like here's an interesting bit of trivia for you uh the i didn't know you could read line was improvised because tom felton forgot his dialogue nice excellent I wonder, there's a bit later on where Harry is, like, he's reading and there's a ghost reading next to him. Mm-hmm. And he basically just tells her to fuck off. Yeah. It's like, nice, Harry. A moaning Merle's a Ravenclaw. Oh, so, so yeah. So, Kenneth Branagh was the second choice for Lockhart. Like, who was the first you, choice? Hugh Grant. Yeah, that kind of works. It makes sense. Similar vibe. It would have been interesting to see that, I think. Hugh I mean, Grant would have had to not do his kind of like flustered, stuttery. Well, of course you understand. I, 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 my published works. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting if each movie, if we could, as a as a side note, just throw out random British actors and try to guess like what kind of professor they would have played at Hogwarts. Hugh Grant would have been a good Quirrell. It would have been definitely against type. Well, I think you you play into the type by having him be the just like kind of flustered, stuttering Hugh Grant character, uh, rather than be a complete simp. He's a little more uh, a little more likable, maybe. No, I mean his turn at the end. Where he oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, the turn at the end I think would work a lot better because you thought it was harmless old Hugh Grant, and then it wasn't. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, in the in the books, that character is pretty weak too, so it's not like they have a ton to work with. Right. Also, Gilbert Lockhart's based on J.K. Rowling's ex-husband. Really? That's you know that that is interesting to me because characters like him, him and Umbridge, I have to think like like this is clearly you you are capturing humanity so perfectly that you have to have known someone like this. Like, there's no way right. that this isn't influenced by like your own life. Because it just feels too real. So that makes sense. Yeah, it seems like a lot of issues are, are being gotten out of the way. 
being dealt with, processed through that. Do you think Harry, like when his room got all busted up by, you know, later we learn it was Ginny, like, does he tell anyone about that? Like, does, does he tell McGonagall or does he just clean it up himself? I think he probably just cleans it up himself. Domicile, Reparo. Yeah, I don't know how much at this point, like, he can really rely on the adults for stuff like that. Well, because I, I wonder, could he get away with telling the, the adults without explaining, you know, that a book was missing or I don't know. I, cause I kind of get the sense from just the British education system. You don't get to relate to like the adults in any way. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's all authoritarian stuff. And I guess it's supposed to make you more independent and a stronger person. You relate on your classmates, but it's like, you can't, you know, go just like, let your feelings out like a what's prompts at home to your, your professors or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then we just see how kind of like autocratic the Ministry of Magic is like no due process at all. Like they're just like, oh, sorry, Hagrid, you're going to Azkaban. Like pretty raw deal. Yeah. It's yeah. like we, we suspect you just because of something from 50 years ago. So, yeah, you're going to Azkaban. Also, when they open the door there on when they go to see Hagrid, he's got the crossbow out. Mm-hmm. Like, was he a, was he planning to just shoot Fudge? When, make, when make a run for it yeah like what what was your plan there hagrid he's gonna murder the minister of magic i wonder so fudge is like the robert pattinson guy's father right no no he's the minister of magic who's the one who's robert pattinson's dad that's just another dude okay but like something to do with magic right yeah, i think he also works for the ministry okay 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 um I just read that Alan Cumming turned down a role in this movie because he learned he'd be making less money than Rupert Grint. And he just, he couldn't, he couldn't abide by making less than a 12 year old amateur. Rupert Grint's a main character though. I mean, what do you want? Uh, Well, who would he have played? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I like the voice. The actor's name is Robert Hardy who played Cornelius Fudge. I like his very British voice. They That's didn't. They didn't get his outfit right. He's supposed to have a pinstripe cloak and a lime green bowler hat. And his his he has no pinstripe cloak, and his hat is just like very faded to saturated green, hmm. which seems weird. Of of all the details, you could like not go for considering everything else you shoved into this movie that didn't need to be there. Like you could have at least given him the the lime green bowler hat. Yeah. Maybe they just thought it would clash too much. I have a photo of the the fake Hermione doll they use for when she's petrified. Yeah. Uh, when we did the WB Backlot tour, they they had like the whole life size doll there, like holding up the mirror and looking all shocked and surprised. It's it's very lifelike and creepy. Yeah, it is. I remember that now. That was a very, it's a very strange prop too to have mm-hmm. like a museum kind of piece. Well, it's also a very strange cut where like suddenly like Hermione was just petrified off screen. Um, and you're just like, oh, okay, that happened. They didn't even set it up. Like in the in the book, she's like she has an epiphany when Harry's talking about like the voices he's been hearing. Like she's like, oh, I need to go check something in the library. So at least you you have some idea of what's up instead of just like suddenly Hermione got petrified off screen. I just feel like her character is being diminished left and right in this movie. She's just not very present. Yeah, which is why I would I would love to see like. This like this story and some of the other Harry Potter stories, like from the perspective of like Hermione or Ginny, because you know that they have kind of have their own little lives going on. 
that you you never get that because the whole story is told from Harry's perspective. But I mean, essentially setting up a like she knows too much, so therefore she has to be petrified thing is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like, they, but not giving you that in the movie, it's just sweeping her away like she doesn't even matter. On top of like the way they mistreat Ginny. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of things they do right, like like drawing out the basilisk thing makes sense. You should that, do that. that yeah, that totally works. Like making that more of a battle, give Harry the big hero moment. Uh, it's, it's too bad that Ginny couldn't have been awake for that. I mean, as if she didn't already have a big crush on Harry. I mean that 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 would have just been it if she saw him like kicking ass and like killing a basilisk for her. Well, you could have done a great thing where she's like got her eyes open and maybe there's like you know the tears coming mm-hmm. out because she's frozen stiff. Yeah, uh, I did like there's a little bit where they go to visit Hermione and when she's petrified and Harry changes the flowers for her. Uh-huh. That's a good bro move. Yeah, yeah, it's not. I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a romantic vibe between them, but he, he definitely cares a lot about her. Right. Uh, so if, if nothing else, at least in their attempt to like ship Harry and Hermione in the movies, you establish that like he cares about her a lot. Well, I guess. uh Hermione was supposed to hug Harry and Ron at the end of the movie, but Emma Watson told Chris Columbus that she was too shy, so they they changed it. She's too shy to hug Rupert Grant. Too too shy to hug like boys. But she hugs Harry. Oh well, <laughs> in your fucking face, Rupert Grant. Well, isn't there that also that interview later on where? Uh, yeah, she she like runs and like jumps into Harry's arms. There's a lot. There's unless that- there's like some other actor or something there. There's an interview that they did later on where somebody asked her something about like kissing Rupert. Yeah, Curry, yeah, I see that. She, she cast some kind of shade or something. He's just like, like, I will absolutely dive into Daniel Radcliffe's arms. Rupert Grint, you're getting the awkward handshake. Yeah. Sorry, Ginger. <laughs> well, it kind of makes you wonder, like, is there a reason that Hermione never went for Harry? Because they obviously are like very fond of each other. Like, did Ginny just basically just be like, girl code, he's mine? Like, is, is it possible that that was the situation? I can't imagine Hermione will take a backseat to a girl one year younger than her. Um, well, if she, if, if she was never really, like, into it at first, and then, like, Ginny called it, like, wouldn't she have to? Maybe it's, it's in, is it movie four, the, uh, but I am the chosen one, or Hermione's just like, deal broken. <laughs> it's over. You've cured me. I don't know. Um, well, you you get the sense in the books that it, it's clear that Hermione and Ginny hang out and have talked about Harry and Ron quite a bit. You right. never see those scenes, but like you know that they're happening. I would love to see that girl talk. I know it's it sounds like a ton of fun. I I might a lot of stuff we're talking about though where they they have the big moments but they don't do the little moments to ensure those big moments. That's a lot going to be a lot of my my critique of. Uh, I think it's Half Blood Prince because I felt like that movie had a lot of that same stuff, where you got mm-hmm. a lot of the big moments, but you never really celebrated the little character moments that would make those big moments important. Well, I think there's only one movie that really does a good job of nailing those little moments. We're gonna watch it next time. Yeah, Coron was great. It was a great choice. Um, Coron was the guy who. It was an interview that he did with the the three actors where he talked about his process of working with them before the movie started. Yeah. We'll talk about that more next week. But I was going to say, that's what got me to watch these movies in the first place. Mm. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into that one. 
Fox the Phoenix basically does everything at the end of this movie. Yeah. Well, and he flies away, then he comes back. He flies away, and he comes He's back. He's like, here's the hat. There you get the sword from it. Let me go ahead and claw out the basilisk's eyes. So you have a fair chance to fight. Then I'm going to heal your wounds. I'm going to fly you guys out. He's like, oh, by the way, Harry, I did your potions homework. Yeah. Oh, and I got Cho's number. Um, <laughs> I almost wanted to see a cut where, like, the fox has, like, the sword in his mouth. And he's, like, fighting with that, too. It's a, it's a little de-sex machina, yeah. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Um, I did love uh, uh, the visual of him dying and then being reborn. I thought that was a very cool... Oh, Fox, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was very cool. What did you think about Ron just bashing Lockhart's head in with a rock? when After it's been established that Lockhart has amnesia, Ron's just like, ah, fuck you. Yeah, I wonder if he'll have like uh, some brain damage after that. Mm-hmm. Can you cure brain damage in the Wizarding World? Uh, not his brain damage. No, no, not that, obviously, because um, that's what he did to all the other wizards. But I mean, like, what is the medical situation? Is there just a potion that regrows bones? But like, what if you have, what if you're like a schizophrenic? I, I mean, I, I guess it depends on like how the, the illness or the affliction occurred. Um, there's, there's St. Mungo's Hospital. It's like the the wizard hospital that you get in the later books, which is a scary, saint sounding name. Um, well, like that's where Neville's parents are because they were just like tortured into madness by the uh, Death Eaters. But I mean, like, <laughs> if you just if you just regularly have like panic attacks or suffer from anxiety, like, mm. is it just I'm sure there's like potions? potions and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. But it, but you still need glasses. Yeah, I guess. Or maybe Harry's just like, it's my thing. I want the glasses. But I mean, it makes you think, like, why would there ever be ugly people in the Wizarding World? Like, why would there ever be a filch? Like, isn't there magical plastic surgery? I feel like it is somewhat addressed in the books. I'm not thinking of the specific moment, but I feel like it. there is some conversation somewhere about, like, the the extent that magic can do there. Hmm. And that it can't. Like, Hermione's able to, like, shrink her teeth, but I don't. I don't know if she'd be able to give herself, like, a magical facelift or anything like that i wondered if the dude on the uh slytherin quidditch team like for every year that they didn't give emma watson those fuck up teeth did they give like bigger teeth to him <laughs> yeah they came to that dude i mean because i mean he's like he seemed more walrusy in this mm-hmm. one like i don't know how he closed his mouth with those those big honking fangs well and also speaking of uh kind of wizarding beauty stuff lockhart appears to wear a hairpiece yeah, you don't see his come off, but he does have another one on a little like stand, like a little headstand in his office, which it almost makes you think like, I mean, if you're going to show us that, you got to show us like the hairpiece coming off. I mean, that that would like just a, work too well. A deleted scene where like Harry comes bursting into his office and he has mm-hmm. to like put his wig on real quick. Yeah. And all the paintings do at the same time. <laughs> oh, gosh, like, they should have shown those paintings like more. I would have loved mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's probably some of the most visually inventive stuff that uh, Chris Columbus is doing in this movie is with the paintings. Yeah. I do have... That's, that's not in the books, right? Uh, No, no. The, the paintings move and whatnot in the books, too. But I mean, like Lockhart painting of painting of... No, that that is. And I believe it's oh, painting of... It's like, it's totally recursive where it just, it's all the way down, like Lockhart painting himself. Um, Bunders and hair pieces all the way down. I, I do have one beef with the source material, though. This is the Chamber of Secrets. There appears to be only one secret. The Basilisk? Yeah. Like there what what's the other secret? It's a big chamber too. You would think there would be quite a few. 
yeah, or I, mean, I don't know, just a also, library of evil works or like, I don't know, something else down there. It's just like a big empty room. It's a big chamber and the snake lives in that one little portion. Like, I would think the rest of the chamber would be for him to like move around, stretch his, you know, snake legs. I have like a, a workbench. Um, I don't know, like a some seating. I mean, because it's basically like, does he go? Does Slytherin go down there to chill, or like, well, what, yeah, are, what exactly is they, the purpose of the place? Are they setting up like this is Salazar Slytherin's like bat cave? You would think. I mean, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe he never really had time to, you know, trick it out before he left the school. <laughs> They're just like, sure, outfit? evil wizard who left the school. We'll we'll continue to have Slytherin house here. There's a maybe there'll be like a Slytherin Begins, you know, prequel. Right? Him and uh, Michael Caine. God, that build. sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> so you notice that at the end, Lucius was a, about to just straight up Avada Kedavra, Harry. Yeah. Which is apparently an ad libbed line. Like they didn't, they just told him to use a curse, and that was like the first thing he thought of. It's nice foreshadowing, though. Kind of unintentional. Yeah, he uh, he's ready to throw down at that kid. He's just ready to murder Harry with a unforgivable curse right in the middle of hogwarts yeah where he is a governor yeah well i i I don't think they say it in the movie i can't remember if they do or not but he basically gets like shit canned from that because of his shenanigans in this oh okay he's he's not a governor after this and then there's just the weird ending of this movie where it feels kind of strange and congratulatory like it's almost like the cast and crew are all giving themselves a hand like the cheering for everyone you know, it's like, yeah. oh, here's nearly headless Nick gets his moment, and then we're gonna give, you know, Hagrid another big moment, which goes on forever. Like, yeah. well, Hagrid's like, oh, by the way, Ron, fuck you, and you're ow. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> it seems really strange three weeks being tortured in the in the <laughs> yeah. prison there. It seems really strange to make. It's like suddenly Hagrid has to be the emotional center of the movie at the end. Yeah, but like this movie is clearly it's all about Harry, mm-hmm. but. It, this this to me is like them not making good decisions in their adaptation. Like they needed to decide like this is the emotional journey for our main character and that's what we're going to focus on. But instead they kind of want to like, let's make it about Hagrid too. And let's make it about Ron. And like Ginny is just like completely left by the wayside. Um, well, they're all, they're all about to like ascend the stairs and get a medal from Princess Leia. It seems like mm-hmm. for, for nothing. Like all I mean, of them. Yeah. Nearly headless Nick being petrified to me isn't all that different from whatever he does daily mm-hmm. you know <laughs> i mean like the physics of the ghost being petrified alone are fascinating <laughs> oh and i there's like a whole bit in the books where he has like this like stupid death day party that they get like roped into going to thank god they cut that out so that was just reading like that's a thing where like myrtle gets invited to that right i think she's there yeah can they can she leave the bathroom like why is she obsessed is it just like her psychosis and like the trauma of being killed in the bathroom keeps her in the bathroom I guess. I mean, I don't think I, I don't know how ghosts work in the Harry Potter world. Like if, if she was able to leave the bathroom, could she just, you know, like move on into the afterlife in that case? I mean, well, I but, but like, she can leave the bathroom, but I don't know. Like, is there do ghosts ever move on in the Harry Potter world? I don't know. Well, like, is there like a weird like stone tape theory with like her ghost? I mean, like, why is nearly how this Nick like at Hogwarts? Is he bound to Hogwarts? I, I don't know what. The painting situation too. Are they technically ghosts who are just cursed to live within the the artistic world of the painting? No, the paintings are just that's they're just magical paintings. Like there's okay. all the headmasters oh, have like uh, portraits that like 
act as like advisors to the current headmaster. Can't remember how much of that they get into in the movie, but in the books, like Dumbledore's office, he has a portrait of every other headmaster at Hogwarts, and like he can confer with them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, like, I, it's fascinating detail. I just I always just want to see them explore it more. I just want to know who that saucy mink sitting next to Snape at the end of the movie is. She. I feel like she's the professor that everyone has like the stories about. You can, you can imagine like the the holiday mixer where even like Filch, you know, works up the courage of Mrs. Norris to like go like try to hit on her. Mm. You I don't think Filch is getting anywhere. <laughs> She's like, sorry, but you're like three times my age. Do you do you want to read the the I kill Harry Potter fan fiction that I wrote? And she's like, that's wildly inappropriate. <laughs> P.S. You're a squib. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, oh, just the faculty is so amazing I, I always want to know more about the faculty well like what decision led to the hiring of Lockhart I mean does like Dumbledore like does he just does he argue with McGonagall like no Lockhart's books are all novels and she's like no <laughs> they're presented as like uh, like true stories the impression I've always gotten is that they know that the position is cursed so they have a hard time filling it Okay. Which is why most of their teachers suck. Like okay. they, they basically like they get like I don't think they had anyone else but Lockhart. Like I feel like they're desperate. But also they they just want to fill it with like sacrificial lambs. To some extent, it kind of seems that way. Okay. Because like, uh, I mean, we'll later on we'll find out that the the position is cursed because uh, what's his face? Uh, Tom Riddle wanted it and didn't get it. So he cursed the position. So it's never been filled by anyone for more than a year. Oh, okay. So Quirrell, that was his first year then. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like I'll always, it's like he never lasts there. It's always a one-time gig. I just want to see them offering it to everyone but Snape. And they're all like, no, mm-hmm. no way. Damn. Did not get it again. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we've worked our way through the movie. You want to do our power rankings at the end here? Uh, sure. Who's your number one? I went with Harry. I feel like okay. uh, he has his big hero moments at the end there. I got to give it up to him. Defeats the Basilisk. Definitely takes a lot of damage and keeps on ticking. I like it. I think that they did a good job of of, of setting up his hero-tude, uh, solo hero-tude, better than, uh, than the first one. Well, he doesn't do anything in the first one. He just, like, touches yeah. the dude's face. Well, I mean, like, Ron and Hermione really get the short shrift for, like, how much they fucking lend to all those, like, trials and quizzes and tests mm-hmm. and things they have to get through there. This, I mean, this one, I really felt like Harry really exercised his bravery. Because, I mean, it seemed like a lot of the first movie was fueled by how much he just wanted to, like, unmask Snape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Who's yeah, your number one? <laughs> Lucius Malfoy. Lucius, wow! I have him down a ways, but yeah, that's I could I, I mean, could see the arguments for him. His performance lived large even when he wasn't on screen. <laughs> I just wish they could have had more of him, just obviously being disappointed with his like lame son, who's like clearly not living up to expectations. Right, especially in in light of Harry. Well, like, there, I know there's like Kilk like complained to his dad about like Hermione, and he's just like, I would have expected you to like not have a problem with like you know some half blood or whatever. You know, it's like he's basically just like, quit your bitching, right? 
last last guardian of the gilded age i guess yeah mm-hmm. uh my number two is fox because he basically does everything that's a good one i should have put him on my he's not on mine at all but he should have mm-hmm. been my number two is gilderoy lockhart also very admirable choice mm-hmm. big upgrade over Quirrell for sure oh yeah yeah i just love the uh, for the see my published works for more details i love that line well, he said it a couple times, but it was never enough. He could have said it so many more mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Ron. Wow, okay. Gonna, gonna give it up for, to Ron for once. I mean, this is really his and Harry's movie. Yeah. Um, he could be more useful. I mean, my, my rankings are somewhat influenced by my knowledge of the books, but I'm gonna give it to Ron. Okay, number three for me is Snape. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I like that you got to see Snape not... Like do like teacherly things, but like not as like the suspect. Yeah, he he wasn't for for once. Harry wasn't suspecting Snape the whole time. Snape was just kind of uh, I don't know if antagonist is the right word, but just uh, an obstacle. But also, like you got to see a little more Snape's personality, where he he takes it upon like first of all, he pushes forth Draco mm-hmm. in the fencing club out of like just pride of his his house and his students, and then he's just like. Here's a great opportunity for me to knock Lockhart on his ass. Well, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm I just have to wonder. Enjoy this. Does Snape actually like Malfoy? Because Malfoy is just such a little bitch. Like, I feel like it's got to disappoint Snape a little bit that, like, that's that's his rival to position against Harry is, like, this little weak, whiny bastard. Well, plus there's, you know, there's a lot less abuse happening in that disappointing mm. relationship than with, like, cause you know, you know. Uh, Draco's being abused, at least verbally, Is he? physically at home. I <laughs> okay. think he's hit. I that's your head cannon. Yeah, that's my head cannon. Is there's, I mean, there's definitely some abuse there. I mean, definitely verbally. Um, hmm. but number four is Harry. Mine is Hermione. Okay. I think Hermione, even even petrified, she solves the mystery basically. Yeah. They <laughs> like show up and it's like, oh shit. There's a piece of paper in your hand that nobody knows for three weeks. Yeah. This is useful information. It basically explains everything to us. <laughs> uh, my number five is Dumbledore. Oh, you know, I don't even have Dumbledore in mine. Uh, yeah, my number five is Lockhart. Uh, okay. Dumbledore, he, he has his excellent ending scene. And I don't know, he doesn't really seem like he's in the movie otherwise. I did like that we basically imply that he can see through the invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. Which I think in the first book... We get that hint as well, but we definitely get it here. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if he that was something he learned having the cloak in his possession for all those years. Could be. I think he says at various points that he doesn't need an invisibility cloak to become invisible. I just turned my wizard swag on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had Lockhart. My number six is Snape, of course. Okay, my number six is Hermione, just because I felt like they just kept shoving her down. I mean, Ron... Gets his whole thing with the mm-hmm. other Weasleys and Harry at the beginning. So you don't even see Hermione until like 40 minutes in. And then they write her out. Oh, poor Hermione. Yeah. Uh, then I, I have Lucius next. Okay. The seven is like Ron slash Hagrid for me. Ron slash Hagrid? Hag- you can't combine those two. I, that's where I put them. Okay. I have Hagrid after Lucius. Okay. Hagrid, he's probably less annoying in this movie, but. He's it's like frustrating with him. It's like seriously, you, you let yourself get expelled over that, over that stupid like spider. Ugh. 
Yeah, yeah, weird like magical pita moment. Mm-hmm. Um, my number eight is Dobby. Okay, uh, I had Jenny number nine. I mean, she doesn't have. I, I mostly just because I like the character. She has nothing to do. Dobby's last for me, just because no, I G- can't stand Dobby. Jenny is my number ten. Mm-hmm. Because she is the linchpin to the plot and the mystery, but it's amazing that the linchpin is not developed a little more i guess i would say i mean you could tell you could tell us that jenny died on the first day of hogwarts and she's been a ghost the whole time or something she's so un- unfortunately mm. ineffectual such a non-presence yeah dobby i mean once dobby's freed i feel like he comes a lot more tolerable and I actually don't mind him at all in the later movies but god he's frustrating and just annoying early in this movie just i want to be like a beating himself over the head type stuff uh I want him to wear like a like a fedora and have a goatee in the later movies or something. Why? Because well, we'll get to my so the okay. so yeah, that's that's about it. Why don't we get to your headcanon? So my headcanon is that Dobby's you know since he has abilities that we that we aren't realized like what if he's like secretly beyond his erotomania or his like obsession with like Harry or his knowing the malfunctions of Harry. Like, what if he's secretly a genius? Just is manipulating Harry into being his like, instrument of salvation the whole time. Okay. I mean, he's just driving Harry forward to do all this stuff. He obviously has abilities. He's obviously aware enough of this plot to show up at various points and, like, you know, curse Harry to try to save him. Um, I feel like he just has to push Harry, like, much like, like Dumbledore and the others, push Harry knowing that he'll eventually do the right thing. I feel like that's what Dobby's doing throughout this movie. Or that's my that's my wild theory of no real basis. So you think you think he's kind of like another Dumbledore? Or he's he's moving the pieces around to arrange his freedom. But for yeah, but for a much more selfish purpose to to arrange his own know, freedom. I don't know if he's capable of of doing that in slaves though. Well, see, I think I think the thing that counts against it is that really you're just seeing like the the fucked up psyche of somebody who is basically enslaved and beaten mm-hmm. constantly. Um. And it's just a it's a weird universe where like Lucius Malfoy is totally comfortable strolling through the world, like beating his elf. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like I also thought it's funny is that in general these crazy powerful wizards would rather like like why don't they why don't they prefer the muggles to be like their citizenry? Like you'd think they would much rather lord over muggles eventually than other wizards. Well that's I mean that's Grindelwald. I thought the, the wizard should be in charge for the greater good. I mean, I, I'm surprised that that's not more of like the evil wizard mandate. Um, well, it is. Okay. Because I, mean, I mean, like. That's what the evil wizards want is they hate, they think the muggles are lesser. I, I would, I feel like, like you, your own personal satisfaction, you wouldn't care about pure blood wizards because they're just going to be your own, your rivals someday. I'm, I'm surprised that there's not like a weird, like Highlander thing where you're eventually trying to just like wipe out other wizards. And control all the magic. All right. Well, yeah. interesting theory. That about wraps it up for us. That was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Probably my least favorite of the series. So glad we at least got that out of the way. I do wonder, like, I kind of feel like the story in this, and this is debatable. But I think the story might be a little bit stronger than Azkaban. It would be really interesting to see what somebody like Alfonso Coron could have done with this movie. Yeah, I think that would have been fascinating because uh, i think there is a very smart mystery here um in the, from seemingly in, in the book <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean how would you rank the book against the other books 
Oh gosh, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, it's it's hard to rank them because I like I can't think of like Goblet of Fire versus like Half Blood Prince. I don't really have an opinion one way or the other on like one being better than the other. Okay. Um, I don't know. I I I guess I've always thought that uh, Chamber Secrets and well, I don't know. I'm, I'm really torn. It's it's hard to separate the books from the movies because Azkaban is such a good movie. Mm-hmm. The book has a lot of good stuff in it, but at the same time, it does feel like you're missing something. Like it's the only one of the books without Voldemort having like a direct presence. You know, mm-hmm. it's the only one where he isn't the villain, so it has that aspect. I don't know. It's 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 hard to say. They all kind of feel like one big long story to me. Okay. But I, I definitely, if I were to rank them, Chamber of Secrets is not going to be near the top for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so for the fact that there's not enough Hermione. Well, I think it's interesting because, like, you take, I've never read any of the, like, Sookie Stackhouse books, mm. but the series was always called, like, the Sookie Stackhouse Mysteries. Um, even though, from what I understand, like, they don't seem like, like, there's all that much mystery going on there, book to book. Um, it kind of eventually becomes, like, a, a lesser social drama than than the True Blood the series even was. But, like, you could have very well, like, in the publishing world, called these, like, the Harry Potter Mysteries. Um, yeah, that'd be bad though. Yeah, yeah, but I think I don't. Know, I'm just I really like the the Tom Riddle story and the way it works out here. So I feel like there's a lot of promise in in this mystery um, that works better for me than the first one did. But they do. I, I like that the series does become different. Like they're not. They kind of get away, and it's not just at the Chris Columbus era. They do kind of get away from some of some of this stuff. They feel different as the kids grow and they encounter different. Adversity. One of the things that definitely helps Koran, as we'll see in the next one, is that uh, the actors are older. You know, it's kind of it's did he you know, how much did he develop them versus how much were they just older and better? But you definitely start to see them really come into their own in the next movie. Yeah, I mean, they they no longer feel like child actors in the next movie. Right, right. Um, And some of that is they are literally older because it's a longer production time. So. Yeah, they had time to kind of process their mistakes. Plus, just mm-hmm. different different production team that comes, different director. Yeah, so look forward to getting to that. Yeah, we'll be back next time to talk about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Until then, have a good one. Bye.